Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Dollars and Cents show. This is Carol Top. My website is homeschoolcpa.com, and these podcasts are short podcasts coming out about once a week, specifically addressing issues that concern homeschool leaders, uh, leading homeschool groups of all kinds. And I'm having a couple of podcasts here I'm calling Throwback Thursdays because the podcast airs on Thursdays. And they're having to do with questions that I've been asked a long time, uh, throwing myself back into the history of questions that people have asked. And here's one. Today's topic is going to be about uh, applying for an employee identification number for your homeschool group and why the IRS is asking for um, a Social Security number. So I'm going to title this, When Applying for an an EIN, They Want My Social Security Number. Okay, so um, a homeschool leader named Paula emailed me and said she was trying to get an employer identification number for her homeschool group, and you you apply online. Um, You go to irs.gov, put in SS-4, that's the form number, and you can apply online, and that's what she was doing. And she got to this point where it said, well, who's the responsible party? I'm going to address that in a minute. And what is their Social Security number? And this greatly concerned her. Like, why am I putting my personal Social Security number when I am working as as a as a leader for a homeschool organization here um, and trying to get them employee identification number? So that concerned her, and that's what she emailed me about. So in this podcast, I want to address three things. Well, first of all, why was Paula or any homeschool group applying for an employee identification number? Why does she need one? And then who was this, quote, responsible party? And what can I do to change the responsible party if they change? And ultimately her question, uh, why does the IRS want my social security number? (laughs) Okay, let me start with that one. Well, when applying for an employer identification number, and that's like a social security number for your organization or for any business, the IRS wants to be able to tie that organization back to a human being all right that's for a couple reasons in case they ever need to contact the organization they want to have a human being to contact and your name just isn't good enough they need some other identification and of course this um, social security number it's not supposed to use be used for identification but we know that it is and that's how the irs can say well okay not just the name but i want a social security number going with it and probably more importantly uh is that the um, IRS is trying to stop sham or fictitious or dummy organizations from being set up. It, it, they didn't used to ask for the Social Security number. This happened probably about mm, 15 or 20 years ago. And, and it's kind of just this extra layer of checks that the IRS will now use to make sure this is a real human being with a Social Security number or a taxpayer identification number that is setting up this organization. So it's kind of a anti-fraud and that's the reason they're asking for your social security number okay and the reason why paula was applying for an employer identification number well there's really two reasons why her homeschool group might need an employer identification number an ein 
One is they're brand new and they need an EIN to uh, open up a checking account. And that's usually when groups first find out that they need one of these numbers. Or they're applying for tax-exempt status with the IRS or lots of other things that they need this identification number to do. Or the second reason might be because the organization formed as a nonprofit corporation in their state. And uh, the IRS says basically when you form uh, a nonprofit corporation, you're a new legal entity, you need to get a new employer identification number because you have a, you have formed a new legal entity. So I think that was more Paula's situation. Okay, so let me go on and explain who is this responsible party that the IRS wants to know about. Okay, well in general, the responsible party is, is an individual, has to be a human being, can't be an organization anymore, used to be allowed but not anymore, has to be a human being who has direct or indirect authority over the organization and its assets. Okay, so who has authority over your organization? Probably one of the leaders, and I would say one of the officers. The officers are the, the president, the vice president, secretary, treasurer, if you're a non-profit organization. Um, who has authority over the organization and its assets. So a lot of times it's the treasurer. Yep, it's the treasurer who is the one who is filing um, to get an employer identification number and they fill out their name as the responsible party. And yes, they put their social security number. But the um, truth of the matter is that the responsible party here can change. So no one should be treasurer forever of a nonprofit. I actually like to, for everybody on the board to have term limits of, well, three years, five max, but three years. So you're going to have to change that responsible party. Have you thought about that? Um, you may have an employer identification number that was, uh, you know, applied for years and years ago. I hope you have the letter that the IRS gave you to say, um, here's you know, what you filled out. I hope you kept uh, the information about how you did fill out the employer identification number. If not, you may have no idea who your responsible party is, right? Well, you can change it and you can update it. Thank goodness. Like I said, the treasurer probably changes fairly frequently. So you want to keep this up to date with, um, you want to keep your employer identification number responsible party up to date. Also, the address that the IRS has for that employer identification number should be kept up to date. And you do that using a form. The IRS form 8822-B like in boy is the form that you use. You can find that online. Go to irs.gov, type in form 8822-B like in boy, and it pulls up this form. You have to mail it in, but that's okay. Just follow the directions. And that's how you can change the responsible party. You'll have to put the new person's name and social security number, or you can change your address with the um, on the employer identification number that way. Okay? If you want a little more information on how to change that, make sure you go listen to podcast number 81 at the dollars and cents show, dollars and cents show. Uh, dot com or probably better easier place to go would be to my website homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast and then look for podcast number 81 and it's titled how can we change the contact name on our EIN that gives you more information about that 
Hey, you know, and you you might have some more questions about, well, oh, do I need an EIN? Oh, gosh, I don't know if we have one or who we formed a nonprofit corporation a few years ago. I don't know if we ever got a new EIN. <laughs> well, I have some information to help you with that. All that information about the whole idea of getting an EIN and all that stuff. Well, I have a chapter in my book, Money Management in a Homeschool Organization, and it's titled Checking Accounts Done Right. And I actually give you, um, uh, show you what the IRS form, the SS4, looks like. Now, most people apply online, but it's still a good idea to look at that SS4 um, to see what information the IRS is going to ask you before you hop online to apply for an employer identification number. So that book, Money Management in a Homeschool Organization, like I said, it's got a whole chapter devoted to checking accounts and, in particular, getting that important employer identification number so in summary uh, I guess I could tell you what I told Paula sorry yep you got to give a social security number of the responsible party and that needs to be someone who like I said earlier is is authorized to direct the organization and its assets so that'll probably be one of your leaders and probably one of the officers of the board they this is just part of the responsibility of being an officer. Don't be worried about giving them your social security number. Uh, guess what? The IRS already has it. <laughs> but now they're just associating this group with with you and your your name and your social security number. So when you leave the group, make sure you get that changed. Or when you bring on a new person in one of those roles, make sure you get it changed and updated. Hey, um... You might find my board binder to be a very helpful uh, tool to help you keep track of these important papers and who is the responsible party and what does our EIN with the IRS say. Uh, so you can go check out the Homeschool Organization Board Member Manual. Kind of a long name, but it's a template for you to create your own board manuals, you know, like a binder that you give to your board members, and it has the important papers that are you know, important things you need to keep forever as part of your organization and pass down to future leaders. And in there, I explain, I give a copy of that form 8822B. That's the one that you use to change uh, your um, responsible party. And I, I have information about, you know, when board members change, who do you need to notify and what do you need to do? So that might be real helpful for you, for you homeschool leaders as you, um, you know, not just apply for your EIN, but make sure that it's kept up to date with proper people, responsible parties, and and the most accurate address. So I hope this is helpful in helping you run your homeschool group better and probably with less stress and burnout. That's part of the goal. Um, so thanks for listening. Make sure you hop on over to homeschoolcpa.com for more information on running your homeschool group successfully. And if you found this podcast helpful, make sure you share it via social media or uh, email with your leaders or other leaders in your area that may not know that there's helpful information out there about how they can run their homeschool groups. Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Top here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.